Oh, it's Aslan. Try to make it as quick as possible. You know what I'm going to say. Have an iPhone? Have an iPad? Use the podcast app to listen to the show? Please search for Wake Up or Chant on the podcast app. You'll see two results. They look absolutely identical. But the one on the right, tap on that one. You should see it's got like over a 1,000 reviews. Be sure you're subscribed and downloaded to that one. If for some reason you're having trouble downloading that feed, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Just keep doing what you're doing. We don't want to create any headaches for anybody. But again, if you're on the podcast app, search for Wake Up Board Chant. You'll see two results. Hit the one on the right. Hit the music. Let's go. Showtime. From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more Corner Pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Coming up on today's show... The defense, was it really their fault? The offense, they couldn't block it up. Is it just as simple as that? And this kicker, we got to talk about some things, as well as the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week. Wake up, Warchant, part of the Warchant.com family. Won't you hit the thumbs up button, subscribe to us if you're listening to us on YouTube. And we are presented to you by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill in Tallahassee, Florida. Monday's lunch special, build your own burger, top of the line Angus beef and those patties they serve during Build Your Own Burger over at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., the lunch special today here on Monday. Tomorrow, trivia, head on out there, get some tacos, Coronas, and live it up at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. We'll be back there next week, though, for the whole happy hour uh, and the festivities as we get ready for Clemson. Uh, But in the meantime, treat yourself, right, Corey, at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Absolutely. Great place to be, even after a loss. You can go there and watch – you know, I got over there after the game on Saturday night, watched Georgia survive. It's a little troubling, that game. And then watched, um, what I want? oh, the Clemson-NC State game. Hmm. And how about Georgia Tech upsetting Pitt? Brent Key, let's go, big guy. Yeah, man. So, yeah, the Corner Pocket's a great place to go. Uh, also, you can go there on Sunday for uh, for all the DirecTV NFL games. It's just a good place to be, man. Just go. Quit being a baby and go to Corner Pocket. Absolutely. Hopefully, you're one of the 12,000 folks who joined Warchant.com when we had that great special for a buck. Although, apparently, it looks like I'm on the website right now. It looks like it's still there. Mm. I don't know. Did we extend it? I don't know. Maybe we did. Go to Warchant.com. Check it out. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, You're the reason they lost, everybody, because you didn't subscribe. Everybody else tried, but you, you let us down, people. Uh, Florida State falls to Wake Forest 31-21, first loss of the season, ACC loss. A divisional loss, so that kind of con- kind of compounds things. Uh, but again, they kind of control their destiny. Go take care of business, repay the favor after a tough home loss. Go on the road and take down an Atlantic foe, just like Wake Forest did to you this coming weekend up in Raleigh. Uh, but lots to unpack from this game, Corey. Uh, I just you know felt really good about where Florida State was on all cylinders, on uh, maybe offensive, defensive, maybe not as much special teams as we'll get to that later on. Uh, but the thirty-one twenty-one loss. It seemed like that obviously 21 points would not be enough to beat Wake Forest. You'd probably feel pretty good maybe if you're told, I don't know, Thursday morning or Friday morning, hey, you're only going to hold you hold Wake to 31. That's their season low. Uh, but ultimately, Florida State's defense, I mean, couldn't get off the field, had several opportunities. I'm not even talking about in the second half when they needed to get the ball back to the offense. I mean, they, they rose up a little bit there. Uh, but in the first half, man, so many opportunities to get off the field 
you know, three, three guys converging on a receiver on the boundary and whiffing and letting them pick up a first down, just backbreaking sort of stuff. But they did everything they possibly could kind of throw out there, Corey, it seems like. They brought blitzes from 15 yards off the ball with Jamie Robinson, the safeties. They brought pressure from the linebackers. They put Jared Verse in there under 100% to try to affect things. And it still wasn't enough, man. So I don't know how much burden Adam Fuller and his defense bear for this loss, but how do you kind of calculate it after the 31-21 aftermath? Yeah, I mean, nobody that could watch that game would say the defense played well, um, but I, I, I wouldn't put the brunt of the loss on the defense because, look, man, I mean, you watch that offense. You watched how goofy it is and how hard it is to to defend. When you don't have, you have Fabian Lovett for zero plays. You have Jared Verse, who's your best defensive player, along with Fabian Lovett. Those are your two best guys. You had them total for 21 plays. Jared Verse played 20 plays. I think he played 21 plays. Wake Forest ran 85 plays. So your best defensive player played 25% of the snaps. Your second best defensive player played 0% of the snaps. And they're both defensive linemen. And that is a tough offense to deal with when you just have kind of not great dudes on the defensive line. And look, Patrick Payton might be something. Joshua Farmer might be something. They might end up being very good college football players. They're redshirt freshmen. Uh, I think we know what Leonard Warner is now. Um, Derek McClendon's a little bit banged up. You know, he got hurt in the uh, at the end of the Boston College game. So you, you, Robert Cooper, I don't know that he's 100%. I don't know that Jared Jackson's 100%. Malcolm Ray clearly isn't 100%. These guys, and, the, and I don't know that any of those guys were NFL guys anyway. And so when you have... You know, not a great defensive line, and it's banged up. That is not a great recipe to play Wake Forest because they could run on you. I mean, I think they ran for like 170 yards, um, which was not good. Like Sam Hartman only threw for 240 or something. Yeah, uh, that's not crazy. I mean, that's not you, you. If you'd have gone in the game and said, "Hey, Hartman's only going to throw for 240," you'd be like, "Oh, they're going to win by two touchdowns." Well, not when you give up 170 yards on the ground. And the reason that is is because you just don't have a very good defensive line right now. Jared Verse. That, that was a good sign that he played 20, 21 snaps. And so you think this week coming up, he'll play more than that. And then by Clemson, maybe he's 100%. He's playing every snap. But um, yeah, man, Fabian Lovett not being out there is a big deal. He's your best interior lineman. It's not close. Um, that said, I don't quite understand. And we talked to Adam Fuller later today, and we will ask him this. The second half, and I know Jared Verse played a bit more in the second half, but in the second half, it didn't it seem like they were just more aggressive. They they were trying to beat blocks. They were rushing up the field. Their whole purpose was to either blow up the mesh or put pressure on Sam Hartman. That seemed like their goal. In the first half, if you watch that film, it just, to me, looks like the, as soon as the ball is snapped, all four defensive linemen just kind of stand there. And now, look, they have a good offensive line, so you don't know, okay, is, is Derek McClendon trying to get around this dude and just isn't? Or is his whole goal to stand there and not try to get to Sam Hartman? Because it just, like the second half, after that ridiculous first drive of the second half where they just let him go right down the field, after that, it really did seem like they just pinned their ears back and like, screw this, we're going to be aggressive, we're going to go try to get him. And I didn't see that at all in the first half. And it was just, it was, but I don't know. I don't know if that's just they, they got off blocks better or if they changed their um, they changed their mindset, they changed their approach, their strategy, whatever it was. But um, you you can't look at the way the defense played. And yeah, man, they gave up they gave up ten points in the second half. Um, they gave up you know they had two straight stops when you really needed it, maybe three straight stops when you when you really needed it. But man, you have you you've cut it to a one score game. 
There's nine and a half minutes to go at home, and they go 18 plays. Mm. Not good, man. That's not how you win football games. You have to get off the field. I know Sam Hartman is a good player. I know Wake Forest is a good offense. There's no shame in losing to that team in that offense. There's a little bit of shame in giving up an 18-play drive to ice the game at home. Mm. The crowd, God bless Florida State fans, man, and all you that came to that game. That was a that was a great crowd for what went on in the state this week. That was an exceptional crowd, a non-Vanderbilt crowd, I would say. And they tried to get into it as much as they possibly could, but the third down defense was abysmal. And then when you have a stop, it's third and, I don't know, third and six at Wake's 35, 40-yard line. Greedy Vance is right there. You force Hartman into a horrible throw, a horrible throw. That, that ball's got to be intercepted, at least knocked down. And instead, Greedy Vance misses the ball completely, gets mossed, and they get not only do they not intercept the pass, they give up a first down, and then by the time they get the ball back, the game's over. So, no, I, I mean, look, we'll get into the offense, too. The defense is not absolved of anything only because it gave up 31 points because, look, Wake, Wake didn't care if they scored a touchdown on that last drive. Uh, they didn't even try to score a touchdown. So that's 30. I mean, they, they would have been smart. They were smart not to try to score a touchdown. So, you know, 35 points, that's not great at home, man. That's not great at home, even when you're missing uh, two of your guys. Just because I hated, I, I so hated that first drive of the second half. And the fact that when the offense wasn't doing well, the the defense didn't pick them up at all. The defense didn't pick up pick them up at all. They just like, okay, you want to go score? We'll go score. There, there's another score. There's another score. They they let them score essentially three. Well, they did let them score three straight touchdowns on three yeah. straight drives. And the next one, it wasn't a score just because Jared Verse came in and got a sack, and then they missed a field goal. Right. But they were really in position to score four straight possessions, and that, that just shouldn't happen at home. I know Sam Hartman's good. He's not Dan Marino, um, and, and I just thought the defense did not play well, um, and we'll get to the offense. But, yeah, you know, uh, what, what's interesting about it, though, is, like, to me it's a one-off. Not only do you hope you get healthier, but you're not facing a goofy offense like that again anymore. NC State runs a traditional offense. So does Clemson. And also, Wake has a very good offense. So, it's, it's not like you can make hard and fast judgments about who Adam Fuller is or what this defense is based on the Wake Forest game because Wake scores a ton of points on everyone. Je Clemson's got a very good defense. Wake put up 45 on them. So it's almost like it's a one-off, and let's reserve judgment on what this defense is or isn't until the next two weeks because Wake, Wake is just going to do this to everyone, and it's such a weird, ab abnormal offense. It's hard to judge how your what your defense is based on what they do against Wake Forest. I think someone of the problems though, Corey, that people feel about the defense, and I don't want to be like the Adam Fuller apologist, and I, I don't think I'm going to be kind of critical here, is the fact that like how are you not winning one on ones? But actually, maybe that doesn't fall on Adam Fuller. That falls on your players there. But like nobody was getting home in the first half. Maybe that was them being tentative. To your point, maybe they finally said, "Screw it, we're just going to go for broke in the second half," and it worked out quite well. But I mean, they ran zone blitzes. They ran. They showed blitz. You know, they they dropped guys from the line when they were they were bluffing. They played man. I mean, they put guys on islands. And I mean, the second touchdown, that catch was ridiculous on Renardo Green. I mean, yeah. Renardo was on the guy's hip the entire yeah. time. Uh, I think the third touchdown. That's or maybe that was the second one. Marion just has to is being asked to cover a guy for six seconds. That's just not going to happen, man. That's really uh, a sort of difficult ask. I just don't. 
they just looked kind of overwhelmed. And maybe that goes to the fact that this is a really kind of tough scheme to go up against. But you would just hope that you've got some physical prowess that you can beat a block, man. You can get to the to the quarterback and affect things a little bit more. Um, you can break these passes up. But then, you know, Clemson didn't. So maybe that's what right. we kind of have to compare it to. Is like, look what Clemson did. Look what this defense did. Didn't look pretty. Uh, but, again, maybe it's just so – Credit to Wake Forest, I guess. I don't, but that people don't want to hear that. But maybe now, two days removed, they're a little bit more receptive to that kind of message. I mean, I th- and, and Wake's a good team, man. There's no, again, there's no shame in losing to that team. There's no shame in giving up points to it. Um, and yeah, man, when you, I thought if Florida State was going to beat, get beat, their corners would get torched. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really know that that happened. Yeah, they gave up some touchdowns, but everybody does. But they Wake didn't take many deep shots at all. They didn't take they didn't throw a lot of one on one lobs. Um, they you know they kind of methodically went down the field, and a lot of it was the the run defense. They kept getting seven yards on every first down run. It seemed like, and so second and three, you're not getting a stop against Wake Forest when it's second and three. Not with that goofy offense. So um, because that mesh point, you can ride it for for five yards for a first down. So I don't necessarily think the corners were an issue. I think the I think the cornerback position might be an issue moving forward because clearly Duke Cooper isn't Duke Cooper, and I'm not saying that because he gave up a touchdown because everybody gives up a touchdown. No, he didn't play well in that particular play, but he didn't he barely played in the second half. You know, I haven't I haven't looked at the PFF numbers uh, that that closely to to see what how many plays he ran, but um, that's what I'm here right, for, Corey. There you go. You do that while I talk. Forty three. How many? 43 out of 89 is what they had on PFF. They had 89 snaps defensively played for Florida State, and they had uh, – Omarion had 43. He was the – he graded out at 50.8 overall. That was the lowest of a starter. Yeah, not great. And how many did, like, Azaria Thomas have? How many did uh, Greedy Vance have? Jarian Jones. Azaria had 33. Uh, Jarian had 41. Uh, who was the other one you asked me about? Uh, Greedy Vance. Greedy had eight. And what about um, Renardo Green? 61. So Renardo is the guy you both count those on guys the most. Graded, both those guys graded uh, below Amarian as well. So Yeah, I mean, look, man, you're not going to grade. I mean, they, they gave up some plays, man. That happens. Wake is going to do that. But the fact that Amar, that Ozaria Thomas is playing that much and Jarian Jones is playing that much would clearly lead you to believe that, that Amarian Cooper just isn't the guy. And that's a bummer because if he was the guy we thought he was or if he was healthy, we don't know what's going on necessarily there. Um, I can say he practices all the time. But if he was the guy we thought he was, the guy he was at the end of last year in the spring, that is a huge difference maker. And he's he's clearly not that. Um, so now they're having to go to other options because um, uh, Marion Cooper just isn't the dude they, we thought he was. Um, that said, I don't think the corners were the problem. I mean, I just don't. They weren't good. It's not like they dominated. Let's not. Let's be honest. But the reason you lost the game was the defensive line. Yeah. And, and the re, well, on defense, the reason you lost the game was the defensive line, the front seven, the run defense. However you want to phrase it, that's why you lost the game. Wake Forest running for 175 yards in your building is troubling. Um, and you know, I don't know if it's just that Malcolm Ray and Jarrett Jackson aren't very good, or are they too banged up to be good? But the one, when we looked at this defense before the season, the one aspect of it that we were, you and I both, I think, were, were hesitant on was the depth of the defensive line. Interior, especially. 
especially. Well, really both though, right? When you look at it, when you lose Jared Verse, that's a big that's a big yeah. drop. If Florida State was completely healthy up front, and I mean not only the guys that aren't playing, but the guys that are playing that are banged up. If they were completely healthy, I do think they're one of the best defensive lines in the in the conference. I think they win this game on Saturday, mm-hmm. but they aren't. Yeah. And the guys they have to try to replace just aren't Fabian Lovett. They have, you know, two dudes on. Well, Jamie Robinson had a nice game. I think he had 13 or 14 tackles. He looked more like himself in this game. He's had a couple nice weeks in a row. But really, you would say, especially in the front seven, they have two dudes. It's Fabian Lovett and Jared Verse. And you got 20 out of 178 possible snaps they could have played. They played 21 snaps. That's the other guys that are playing those reps aren't aren't dudes. They're they're average. They they might be good eventually, but they're not great college football players. I think Fabian Lovett and Jared Verse are great college football players. When you don't have them, that's a huge loss. And they just don't the disparity between those two guys and their backups is enormous. And I think that was on display uh, Saturday. I don't think, I know, that was on display Saturday. They just don't have the depth uh, on the defensive line to withstand losses like that. But hey, one of these days they might, buddy. They might recruit to a point where it won't matter if you lose uh, your your two best defensive linemen. You, you got guys right, you got horses right behind it that could come in and play. Yeah, just a couple other things on defense before we transition to the offense. You know, Second drive from Wake, they got third and 12. Florida yeah. State, drops eight guys in the coverage on this play. So they end up rushing Josh Farmer, yeah. Jarrett Jackson, and DJ Lundy. And then they what you, I mean, think about that. And and look, man. And think they about drop and they drop Leonard, Leonard Warner, Warner and yeah. Briggs. And they're only five yards deep though in the zone on a third and twelve. Which yes. is, you know Doesn't make sense. Doesn't. And then These are even then they weren't they weren't lit up in the middle of the field. They were right. lit up on the sideline. Like what is I think it's Renardo Green. What is he doing there to let a guy run a 17-yard comeback on third and 12? Like, there's got to be some situational awareness. I also, and I asked this question after the game, and we didn't get a great answer. Maybe we'll get a better answer uh, later on today. Why isn't Jared Verse in there on third and 12? Like, if he was able to play, why was he not playing at all in the first half until very late? Was it when you saw the game was getting away from you, you decided to play him? Because on that position, that on those particular plays, it, it just doesn't make sense that your best pass rusher isn't in the game because he is a disruptive force. And so when he doesn't play on that position on that particular play when it's third and twelve, in that instance where the you know you're you're trying to get control of the game, to me that meant okay, well Jared Verse isn't available today, because clearly if Jared Verse was available today, he would be on the field on third and twelve, and he wasn't multiple times. Um, and that that is a little confusing. I get that he's got a he's probably he probably had a, a, a um, he had limitations. He had a snap count probably, but I just think third and long third in that situation is the exact time that Jared Verse is on the field, and he wasn't. And I also don't think he was on the field. I could be wrong. I should probably go look this up. The one of the pivotal plays on that eighteen play marathon drive that is still going on was the third and ten. When Wake had a third and 10 at like midfield and they ran a draw and got seven yards. And then they went for it on fourth and three from like the 36 and they got a first down on like a six yard pass to the tight end. I don't think Jared Verse was on the field for either one of those plays. To me, it just that, but he came in later. He came in, he was on the field when they had first and goal at the three. 
Well, that's not nearly as important as third and 10 from the 45. Because first and 10, at the when, they, when, when Wake got first and goal, the game was over. The game was very, very much in doubt. Third and 10 at the 46-yard line. And it makes line. no sense to me. And I, and I just want to know the machinations of who decides when Jared Verse goes in the game. If he was tired and asked out, I get it. But you, you better not have, say, you know what, I want Littered Warner and Patrick Payton in the game right here, or Dennis Briggs in the game instead of Jared Verse. That's the play of the game. And you don't have your best defensive player on the field, even though he is available to play. That's just, you know, it's a little, little confusing. But again, this is what we do after losses, right? Everything is magnified. Every little play, every little question, uh, every decision is questioned. That's just how life works when you lose a game. Yeah, and just two other plays defensively. First half, just the last touchdown drive that Wake had. I mean, there's this play here on first and 10 where Malcolm Ray snatches the guy in front of him and move and just totally whips the guy. Problem is, though, I don't know if he either trips himself or he trips over the the left tackle who's dropping back in a, in a pass pro set. But like that single moment right there, Malcolm Ray whips his guy, does his job, but he still trips. At that point, Hartman only had one read, and it would have been to throw underneath to their receiver, what was number 80. It would have been a little bit short of the chains on first down, whatever. But instead, he's got more time, so he looks downfield, and that's the one that DJ Lundy's in coverage by himself with right. his back to the line of scrimmage and has to tackle the guy, and that gives them 15 free easy yards on the way to their last touchdown drive of that first half. And then later in that one, uh, you know, when they change fields, that's where that's the long touchdown that Omar and Cooper's put on that crazy – situation of having to cover the guy for six seconds because DJ Lundy is like hesitant on the blitz and that goes back to I guess to your the hesitancy aspect of this where I think they were hedging against everything it was like all right we cannot play totally aggressive because we have to guard against this this and the other uh, maybe if that situation happens in the second half where they figured out what they want to do uh, probably just a little bit too little too late but that obviously a little bit of hesitation there cost them uh, majorly in that situation there so um, the defense, though, again, to Corey's point, won't have to face that kind of offense. So that's good. Hopefully they can whip up on NC State's it's, offense. It's funny. Like like, I would love to know how many people listening to this were at the game and had never seen this kind of offense before. Because, look, Stephanie was there. She is not a huge football fan. Um, but she watches it. She's a Florida State fan. She's a Cleveland Browns fan. Sorry. The Falcons got him. Falcons got him on Sunday, baby. Rise up. <laughs> but um, she watched that offense and, like, what are they – what is this? She's like, they were dancing. They were literally dancing and having conversations, walking towards the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's what they do. It's ridiculous. She's like, how are they doing that? How are they not holding? And I'm like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. They probably are holding, but it's Wake Forest, and they, they just they coach it well. They block it well. They're all, they're all upperclassmen, and they get away with it. But it is the goofiest thing I've ever seen. Like, I didn't realize, and I said this on the, the War Chant rap afterwards with Ira, I didn't realize that Hartman would then pat the running back on the back, like go, yeah. like he would to to like tell him I'm handing you the ball because they will literally sit there and look at things for two seconds. It is just absolutely goofy. And there are times there was a, certainly a crossing route, um, like a square in they ran on one of those plays where you're like, well, what is Kevin Knowles supposed to do, man? What are these linebackers supposed to do? You can't stand there for five seconds with the ball in the gut of a running back and then pull it out. I mean, there's just there's only so much you can do. And when you don't have a great defensive line to disrupt that, uh, you were in trouble. That said, 
even though they got down 28-7, to man, and even though I thought that first drive of the second half was the least competitive drive I've ever seen, or one of the least most least competitive drives I've ever seen from, from a Norvell team, that first drive of the second half for the defense where they just, Wake just was like, went right down the field like, we're taking control of this game. Y'all don't care. Y'all aren't going to fight. Y'all aren't going to be physical. We're going to take control of this game. And they did. It went right down the field. I don't even think they got a third down on that drive. They just went they right didn't. down the field. Um, even though it was, it looked like that, it was 28-7. to 7. Wake was completely in control. You were completely out of sorts. Um, you did... I mean, you made it a one-score game, and if Greedy Vance makes that play, you might win the darn game. So kudos for that. It's just it's, it's frustrating that there was that, I don't know, man, hour-and-a-half stretch of real time where Florida State was just completely out of sorts and Wake Forest dominated the game. You, you gave up 28 straight points. You can't do that at home. You just can't do that at home expect to win a game, and, and you did. You gave up 28 straight points from the – Early part of the first quarter till the early part of the third quarter. Time for the Knowles rally. Time for myself to rally. Corey, not as much. He only offered up one in the parlay. We'll try to do better this week. But you folks know football. Maybe you should give us your winners so we can pick winners because you guys pick winners all the time. You should get paid for it. Do that by going to mybookie.ag where you can bet single-game spreads, money lines, or you can parlay multiple of these props together, if you will, to increase your payouts. There's also low contest entry fees and over a half a million to be won. It all makes it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. It's easy to get started. Just go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code WARCHANT, and your first deposit will be matched dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. That's right. You can secure a double deposit bonus. Right now, Corey, Florida State, three-and-a-half-point dog against the Wolfpack. That game will be, was that, seven? Is it eight o'clock game, right? Eight, eight o'clock. o'clock eight o'clock. Uh, bummer I won't be able to be there with you and Ira. Hurts mm. hurts a little bit. And uh, 52 is the over-under. Um, not going to tell you what to do on that game. Just well, I don't know what to, I don't know anymore. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in a glass case of emotion. I'll have to watch practice on Monday or Tuesday and Wednesday and figure out what I'm going to do. A&M, 24-point dog against Bama. That'll be fun, Jimbo. Have fun with that one. Revenge. It's going to hurt. Well, it doesn't hurt, though, using my bookie. It's not your dad's sports book. It's it's your book. It's my bookie. MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code WARCHANT. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What makes this show beautiful, Corey, at least in my humble opinion, is that I guess people would maybe say you're nuanced. I think you're just uh, extremely thorough, maybe a little too mm. thorough sometimes. Okay. Uh, right. I probably oversimplify things. Offensively, 21 points, not going to get it done. Nope. In most cases in this day and age. Against Wake Forest, it will never get it done. Mm. Yeah. 
So, uh, that said, the offense, also the, the turnover in the first half helps create some of that momentum that Wake Forest seized and, and put your defense in a bad situation. Yeah. So, uh, that obviously didn't help. You know, Jordan Travis took a lot of ownership of that after the game. But going back and looking at that game and even seeing it live, does it come down to something as simple? I don't want to oversimplify it, but this offense, for as great as it looked the four previous games, does it really just come down to the fact that if they cannot block and they could not block well at all, that this offense is just going to look up and down, uneven, much as it had in the previous, you know, whatever, 20 games of Mike Norvell's career previously here? Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's a huge – that's the biggest part of an offense is being able to, to keep the, the defensive linemen off your running backs and off your quarterback. Uh, they did not do that well at all. I, you know, and what was bizarre about – not bizarre, but uh, w- what was odd about it – I guess that's the same word as bizarre. I just used a different one, gang um, – is that it? W- to me it wasn't like they were just getting whipped physically by the guys in front of them. I thought they were confused. I thought they let guys run free. Um, I thought there were times. So on the Jordan Travis fumble, if you watch it, um, Jordan Travis rolls to it, like takes a step to his right initially and then rolls back to his left as if it almost looked like a broken play. And maybe it was. I don't know. It kind of looked like a broken play. But there were linemen pulling to the left. And if you watch that Wake Forest linebacker, even though Jordan Travis rolls to the right initially, he sees those linemen and just burns upfield to the left, back where Jordan Travis ends up going. And I think he might have been the one that caused the fumble. But he goes he goes up there like he's he scouted this offense better than anybody could have scouted the offense. Like he has Dillingham on his speed dial. Like he knew what was coming. It was nuts. And it's like, okay, so it wasn't just, okay, we can't block their ends and we can't block their tackles. Now there was some of that too. But a lot of it was just like it didn't look like because they had they you know they would they would sometimes only have a three man front sometimes they would always bring a linebacker they bring somebody extra it just didn't look like the offensive line had was communicating well and knew who to block not that they couldn't block them they didn't know who to block at all times um, and sometimes it was just a case of them being them being whipped and Wake Forest is not a good defensive line they're not terrible but they're not good they're certainly not what you're going to go up against the next two weeks. And that's what could be concerning for a Florida State fan. It's like, look, we know this offensive line isn't great. I don't know that any of these guys are going to play in the league. But they were playing good enough to, for this offense to perform at a high level. And then on Saturday, they just they wrecked everything. They just got wrecked. Um, you know, they, I know Florida State ended up with 400 yards and, and of offense, but that offensive line got kind of obliterated for a good portion of that game, especially when the game was really on the line. And that that that's concerning when you move forward. But, you know, look, when's Robert Robert Scott dressed out in that game, which I, I'm you know, he didn't play, but the fact that he dressed out would lead you to believe that okay, he must be getting kind of close. Well, if Robert Scott can get back to playing, well that makes the offensive line better. Now Darius Washington can be more of a swing guy and he doesn't have to be your flipping left tackle and that makes you better because Robert Scott is better than Darius Washington now is he going to be a big a difference maker enough to the point where you're going to dominate NC State and Clemson's fronts clearly not but it makes your offensive line better because look they were good enough clearly they were good enough to for Boston College 
Wake Forest isn't Boston College, and I, I just thought that offensive line they wasn't very good. good. I, I thought they were taking pick on an easier defense. That's a little bit of the, the weird part of it. I think, yeah, um, yeah, I agreed. Um, and they they just Wake Forest isn't a good defense. And you, so when you when you look at the reasons you lose this game, and there's it's twofold. It's the defense and the offense, and we'll get into the kicker in a bit. Um, you know, the I think the biggest reason, like you said, is the offense. I, I just. If you'd have told if you'd have told me before the game Florida State's going to score twenty one points on Wake Forest, I would have said, "Well, they're going to lose." <laughs> Guess what? Yeah. They lost. Now, if you'd have told me that Florida State's going to hold Wake Forest to thirty one points, I'd have said, "You know what? I think there's a pretty good chance they win that game." Well, they didn't because the offense was bad, and it was really bad, really for the f- whole first half, except for one drive. It was just bad. It, it hadn't looked like that all year. It looked like the twenty twenty one version. In, in parts of 2020. Just no continuity, no rhythm. The penalties were ridiculous. Um, Travis, you know, look, he was great. He had he had some really good moments. He's been great all year. I thought for three or four drives there, he looked skittish. But it's easy to look skittish when you don't trust your offensive line to be able to block or to know who to block. And there were guys running free, and you had no running game. Um, it was just, it was a, it was a, um, it was a lot. It was a lot of reasons that the offense didn't look good. It, but it's also, it's okay to, to like look at a game like that and, and understand that the offense did not play well because it didn't. And then also, you know, be able to be able to rationalize that, hey, man, that this happens in sports. Like you're not always going to be good. You're, you know, sometimes your left tackle is going to have a bad day. Sometimes your quarterback's going to be just a little bit off. Sometimes he's going to fumble. Uh, the, you know, look around the country, and I and I tweeted about it after the game. I think Florida State was is what now as I think they're twenty eighth in the country. Oh. If you look at if you look at the teams receiving votes, mm. I think they're twenty eighth. So they dropped like five spots after losing. You know why that is? Because everybody lost. Yeah. Like literally eight. Uh, so from you're number sixteen, to, you're starting to sound like lost a decade, Bobby Bowden. Like yeah, right. Hey, half lost. the teams win, half the teams lose. <laughs> but the point is, there's so like from. To from team number 16 in the country to team number 25 in the country, that's 10 teams. Eight of them lost yeah, on what, Saturday. Yeah. Like So it's it's just what college football is now. If Florida State had played well on Saturday, they would have won. But they didn't, and they lost. But that does not mean they're guaranteed to lose this weekend. I think if Florida State I, – I don't feel any differently about the game at NC State than I did before the Wake Forest game. I just think – College football is like the NFL, man. You're going to be in a game in the fourth quarter almost certainly. And it's just a matter of greedy Vance catching a ball. It's just a matter of Darius Washington not holding right there or maybe the ref not pulling the flag out of his pocket. Those kind of plays, when, it, when, you, when, you're, when you're evenly matched, those, those are the plays that win or lose games. And Florida State, you know, they, they made a couple of plays at the end against LSU and Louisville that they didn't make against Wake Forest. And that's life when you're not a great college football team, but a pretty good one. And that's like, look, Wake Forest just lost. It was just coming off a heartbreaking loss where they just didn't make one extra play in the game. NC State, they had chances in that game. They didn't make the one or two plays when it really mattered on defense to keep that game a game against Clemson I'm talking about. Florida State against Wake Forest. Like, what's bizarre is, is that man? I, I'm a, I'm of the opinion that the five best teams in the ACC are in the Atlantic, like because I'm going to throw Syracuse in there. 
Oh, all right. I think Garrett Schrader fan. All right. Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest, Florida State, and Syracuse might just be the five best teams in the ACC. We're like the SEC West of the ACC, right? That's where all this. It's a meat grinder, son. Yeah, man. ACC Atlantic is a meat grinder. Uh, I think NC State's a very good team, or or could be a very good team. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite sold on that offense. That offensive but, line is not good. Yeah. No, but you, what you wonder about is Florida State's defensive line is not good right now. Exactly. And will they be able to stop the run? And if you could stop the run, you can beat anyone. Florida State could not stop the run on Saturday. But anyway, the point being, man, college football, it, it really is. There, there is a lot of parity in this thing. And Florida State did not play well in that game. And it's disappointing because I think, I just think it's disappointing because you felt like if you had played well, you would have won. You would have won, and maybe comfortably. If the offense had played like the offense is capable of playing, you probably win that game by two scores. But you didn't. But that doesn't mean you still can't go and do some things this year. And that doesn't mean you can't go win this game or Saturday. And if you lose on Saturday, it certainly doesn't mean you can't go beat Clemson. Like, every game is its own entity. And Florida State, I think, is good enough to beat. And I don't. nothing changed. I think Florida State is good enough to beat everybody left on its schedule. I also think they can lose aside to everybody from maybe on two their games, schedule. they can lose Man, to everybody on their schedule. Our, put down the Clarkisms thread, everybody on the warchant.com. But don't you think, so. like, I, I would have said Georgia Tech they couldn't lose to, no chance, until I saw what Georgia Tech did at Pittsburgh. Mm. And then I'm like, well, crap, man, maybe Georgia Tech can beat anyone too now. Right. I mean, that was crazy. They held Pitt to seven points at home. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think that, that Florida State, I don't, my, my opinion of this team isn't any different at all, really. Yeah, you know, the I only just, thing, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say the, the offense was just, uh, the offense was problematic and frustrating. It just didn't play well. But that happens. Yeah. Now, if they don't play well again the next two weeks, and they're much better defenses, but if, if they're getting obliterated up front, well, then you have to change what you think of this, the ceiling of this team. Yeah, that's, that's the that's, problem. That's though, what's, that's what's uh, you know, not great. Because I'll disagree with you a little bit when you talked about it. it. Looked like they were confused up front. I I think they were fine. They knew what they had to. They knew their responsibilities. They just physically were incapable of performing it. That was that was a concerning thing. So much of of their run game, and I only really went back and watched the first two and a half quarters of the game. Uh, but obviously, the first half really kind of set things in motion. But man, they, so much of their run game, their interior power run game, is like counter base. It's all pulling guards, and they'd pull guards. And the tackle is supposed to come in there and fill that vacancy. And I, you know, I texted you and I about one of the plays. Um, but, you know, Dylan Gibbons pulls, and then Darius Washington needs to fill on the back end of what what Dylan has just left behind because Dylan's pulling, and he can't get there in time. They made Jason turn time. That zero, number zero, Kobe Turner, whomever, man, that guy is quick. They were just they'd have yeah. they'd have Demetri Manuel pulling, so then basically Jason turn time has to move laterally as fast as humanly possible to just to yeah. get in his way so he doesn't blow things up and he just couldn't so we can talk about robert scott coming back which would be a but isn't a big that help. more I, I just want to interrupt real quick yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. like you just can't block a guy you have to know what your alignment are capable of doing and if turnantine isn't capable of getting to that spot don't call that play you know what i mean it's not like oh god he just can't block this defensive end this Feel defensive like I, end is just crushing him yeah. It's not that necessarily. Now, we might face that later on this month. But for this one, it's just, okay, well, if Turnantine isn't fast enough to get there, know your personnel a little better. Well, it happened like first half, and I saw some of it happen in the second half. And then 
you start doing the whole dangerous transitive property thing when or you you're watching NC State and Clemson you're like well their defensive line is probably going to be uh, a little better than Wake's yeah so then that's yeah, that's correct. where you kind of but yeah. I'm not I'm not you know I'm still I still got the tickets for Phoenix but I've got the refundable clause in there everybody nice. So. Nice. I haven't totally emptied everything out, but that's that's probably what's changed my mind. I, I still think Jordan again. If Jordan has time, which he did in the second half, man, those 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 back to back drives they had, he found some rhythm because he had some time. Uh, and then unfortunately, man, he you know he also had he was making things happen on that drive where Micah Pittman set them up with a really nice punt return. Yeah, uh, and then made that great throw to Pokey, who had a really good catch and run. But that you know, that was I thought. I thought that was the best, almost the best Jordan Travis play of the game yeah. was the throw to Pokey that got him down to the four. Like the rolling out, sprinting out to his left, and then seeing Pokey, but then they got called for the hold. Yeah. yeah. Like they had first and goal at the four. Instead, they ended up with fourth and 30 at the 40. Like they ended up with a fourth and 31 when they had first and goal at the four. Now they ended up cutting it to a one-score game again, but like if that, if that hold isn't called or if Darius Washington doesn't hold there, uh, because he did hold, but you know we saw some holds that weren't called. That was a hold. But, um, but you know, you didn't have to call it referee. But either way, if you go score there, you might win the game. And Absolutely. you're probably going to score there if you're yeah. first and goal at the four. Absolutely. Probably, no, that, right? That, that was the game. I mean, that, yeah. it, I don't, it was, this was a team loss. We've yes, talked about the correct. defense. We've talked yep. about the offense. We're about to get the special teams here. This was a team loss. But that one singular play right there, you had it. Like that, They've seized the moment in every game they've played in so far. That opening kickoff against Boston College, let BC know it was going to be a long night. Obviously, the blocked extra point against LSU, Louisville, Johnny Wilson making great catches, Tate Rodemaker stepping up, Kevin Knowles making that great interception. Like in those key moments, this team has stepped up. They everything that went wrong. I mean, you can say Greedy Vance can knock down that pass. Like if that play stands, I mean, I feel extremely confident at that point. Wake is on their heels and they're totally panicked. And because they even you know that drive, it's it's hard to criticize an 18 play drive, but man, they were they were. I think second-guessing themselves on what they were trying to do there, where they wanted to get a touchdown, where they just wanted to burn as much clock as they possibly could. Um, so they were panicking a little bit too, and they didn't have as much stress on them because of that previous possession. So bit of a bummer. The clutch shot, the biggest hit. It's time for the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week. The man has spoken. It's time for the Zaxby's indescribably good player of the week. It's always tough on a loss, but we're we're seasoned for this. We've only, you know, usually do these after L's, unfortunately. But things have changed this season. It's been great. Um, I was going to shout out the women's soccer team, but it was like three people involved in the game-winning goal, which ended up being a penalty kick. But shout out to them. Eighth straight win over Miami on the pitch. I'm going to pick Johnny Wilson. Uh, came in late on Johnny, but I'm all in on Johnny. Six catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Man, just including some hard running. I mean, he's not just a 50-50 jump ball Greg Carr clone. Shout out right. Greg Carr, stand-up Citra, North Marion. Uh, but just seeing him, the yards after catch that he's doing, this was nice to see him and Jordan have some rapport because most of his damage obviously came in the Louisville game with Tate back there. Hopefully at least there was some sort of a connection developed there as he had the most catches on the evening for Flores 8-6. 85 yards and a touchdown. We need some more of that. He can't th throw the ball to himself, but let's get him involved a little bit more in Raleigh. Johnny's my pick. Yeah, I like the idea of inside the five, maybe just tossing it up to your six-seven guy. That that worked out there in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the in the receiving core. Uh, I thought by far Micah Pittman had his best game as a Seminole. That was his best game as a college athlete. Period. Um, it wasn't just the two touchdowns. He had some big first down catches, and then that punt return man was a thing of beauty. Mm -hmm. 
he catches it like with a dude in his face and does not fair catch it. And then I think he ends up getting like 35 to 40 yards. Uh, that That's just a remarkable play. Hurdles from a dude. A fe- that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah man. And from a fearless kid, when the game was on the line, it set him up to maybe cut it to a one-score game. And then the aforementioned hold happened from Darius Washington. But, man, Micah Pittman, th- those are contested catches he's making. And uh, he's a difference maker. He is a good football player, man. That was a nice job in the portal. Um, they did a really good job in the portal with those with those wide receivers. Shout out Calabasas, Homa Micah, and Johnny. Mm-hmm. Our picks for the Zaxby's indescribably good players of the week. All right, the kicker. Let's get to it then. Ryan okay. Fitzgerald uh, missed his kick, twenty nine yeah, yards, kicks. two kicks. Yep. Yeah, the fifty five yarders close though. Had enough leg, had enough leg. Good yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point there in the second half, you also decided he's not even trustworthy enough to kick a f- extra point. Yeah. which uh, is interesting, but it didn't end up costing them because they got it on the next time around. Uh, I mean, he makes that kick. It, it's the butterfly effect or thing, whatever. So it's hard to say how much everything else changes in the game, but you know, Wake Forest probably doesn't have as much breathing room when it comes to getting an additional insurance score uh, late in the game. How much of an issue is this now, Corey? I mean, it, I don't know if it costs you the game. It contributed. It's, you know you were able to navigate games without it costing you a, a result. It, it now is factored into a loss. So do you have to take this a little bit more seriously? I, that's a bad way to put it. Do you have to maybe – this has to be an open kicking competition now at this point? I mean, something has to change. What does change? Will it change? Yeah, I mean, sure. You can uh, – and I, I'm sorry, I don't know the, the backup kicker's name off Aiden, the top of my head. Aiden Shariari. There you go. Um, what's his number? 97 or 97 right I I knew the number but not the name Um, look man sure go ahead have an open kicking tryout maybe but you're not going to know are you really going to put that kid his first college kick is going to be in Raleigh why wasn't his first college kick an extra point against Wake Forest that's what I was a bad not a not a bad question and not an unfair question especially after the missed 29 yard field goal but moreover whether it's Fitzgerald or him you're probably not going to trust either one of them right. a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. So it changes the complexion of the season. Like imagine, I, I was talking to some buddies on Sunday about this. You have fourth and eight at the NC State 20-yard line, Aslan. What are you doing Saturday night? Fourth and eight from the 22-yard line? Yes. I mean, four, eight, eight's a lot, man, but I guess you have to go so, for it. So it's a 39 or 40-yard yeah, field goal yeah, with this crew. Yeah, You're a golfer, and you don't have a pitching wedge. Like, you don't even yeah. – you you've got a driver, a three-iron, a five-iron, <laughs> right. and that's about it. Like, you don't have yeah. anything for a short game right now. It's, it's so not, it completely changes how you coach. Yeah. And I asked Norvell about it afterwards. I'm not trying to kill Fitzgerald, man. Nobody is – you know, nobody feels worse about it than he does. Um, he's trying. He's not trying to miss. But as it is right now, you have a field goal. You know, Norvell can say all he wants about he believes in Ryan Fitzgerald. That's fine. He clearly doesn't trust him because why would he at this point? There's no trust that it's been earned. He can believe that he's going to turn it around, whatever. But fourth and six, fourth and eight, fourth and 12 from the 28-yard line, I think all of those now are you have to go for it. That's wild, man. That's not the way to live life. (laughs) That's not. But that's where you are because you just don't have a kicker. You don't have a kicker. Now, maybe somehow he comes around. And I think, 
you know, so many people were angry in the moment about that 55-yard attempt. Well, by the way, the thing you should be angry about is why are you going to delay a game there? Mm. Know what you're going to do before you do it. You can't – maybe he makes it from 50. I don't know. But at that instance, it's going to take a miracle anyway. So why not give this kid one last shot? It's a 50-yarder, 55-yarder. If he makes it, maybe it turns his career around. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, well, you're not winning the game anyway unless you recover an onside kick, which, you know, the odds of that are low. So I didn't mind in that moment, fourth and 20. I think it was fourth and 20. It was fourth and forever kicking a field goal there. It, I really didn't. No, uh, yeah, I was with you. Like you said in the press box, this has to probably be the least amount of pressure he's had in a kick and call. Yeah, there was no pressure there, and he still missed it. Now, it was a 55 yard, it was a huge kick. I mean, it was a big kick, but he missed it um, as far as a big distance kick. So now, but you, now you're at a place where, you know, it, it certainly seems like he doesn't even trust them on extra points, perhaps. I, you're, you're right. I, I would say when you cut it to 28 to 13, maybe have the walk on kick an extra point. And then maybe you feel different about things. Uh, if he gets a couple extra points, uh, maybe then you go into next week, it's open kicking competition. Maybe that kid makes a couple kicks in Raleigh. But the reality is you've got to coach completely differently now. Because you don't, once you get inside the 30 yard line, it's still four down territory. Up until what, man? The five? The seven? Well, like, I don't know. Extra points on the two, buddy. They don't even right. want to kick so extra I, points. I, I don't know where you feel comfortable after your kicker misses a 29 yard field goal. I don't know where you, where you feel comfortable getting to where it's not always four down territory. And so, look, and with that in mind, it changes the way you call second and third down if you know you're always going to go for it on fourth down. But that said, I, didn't, I, I wasn't in love with some of the play calls he had on second and third down. There were a lot of runs on second and third down that just kind of defied belief. Especially when in, that, it's like, in the second quarter. You're talking about before halftime too, right? Mainly, yeah, primarily. Yeah, but also when they got down after the Darius Washington hold, they had a second and 20 and they run the ball. Well, they, they took a shot and, man, Jordan to makes To Toa Feely and yeah. just missed him, yeah. yeah. So that they, they kind of went for broke on but that. But the they, next play, don't run the ball. Yeah. You're not running it well. It wasn't It wasn't a QB draw. It wasn't something to take advantage of them rushing upfield because they think you're going to throw. It was just a simple – it seemed like just a simple handoff. Yeah. And it didn't get anything. And I, I know that's easy to say in hindsight, but don't don't run the ball in second and 20, man. Like, I, there, was some, there were plenty of times where I just thought they ran it for – it just didn't it, – it didn't make sense the way they ran it. Uh, but I also don't know if that's Jordan doing that, if that's, a, if that's an RPO and he's choosing the R – um, we don't know, uh, uh, you know, about every every one of those calls if they were just straight uh, handoffs. But either way, the point may the r- point remains: you get inside the the NC State twenty five yard line next week, you're not guaranteed a points. You're not guaranteed to be even attempting a field goal. And so that's that's what is uh, that that I think is one of the biggest takeaways from the first five games of the season is you don't have a kicker and you have to change the way you coach. And he did. He started going for two on on touchdowns. Um, the only reason at all he attempted a field goal of 50 or 55 yards is because it was fourth and forever. I think if it's fourth and seven, I think if it's fourth and nine, he's going for it. I think from here on out, on the other side, of if he's inside a team's 35-yard line and it's fourth and six or less, maybe fourth and 10 or less, he's going to go for almost all of them. And that's when you're going to play a lot of close games. 
that's not, like I said, that's just not a way to live life, man. I mean, I like it in a way that like, okay, it should free you up that, you know, you got four downs here. There's not so much pressure on third down because you know, you got two downs here that might even free up your players to play a little more loose knowing that, okay, it's just third down. You know, it's not four. We got it's, it's, it's third not cash down. down. It's not cash down anymore. It's yeah, like, it's not cash down. They're yeah. both cash downs at this yeah. point. Um, but man, it's just you. You know, I I I'll be honest. I went to corner pocket after the uh, after the game on uh, Saturday night. The thing that was brought up to me the most was the kicker, mm. and it wasn't close. The kicker. What are we going to do about the kicker? We don't have a kicker. How does he run him out there for a fifty? All these things. That is. Um, that is a real problem right now because you don't have a kicker. And what I mean by that, you certainly have a kicker. He's on scholarship. He, Hey, Syracuse remembers him. He's made some kicks, but when the game on the line, you, uh, not even with the game on the line, 21 to seven with 10 seconds left in the second quarter from 30 yards out, he's missing. So it completely, what, what you thought you had going into this season is gone. Like you're, you, 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 you have to change again. You just have to change the way you coach. You can't. You can't just say, "Okay, we we can get three right here. We'll be good." I would have thought the Louisville game would have told him that. Um, it did not. Um, you know, he did make the one kick against Boston College. He snuck that bad boy in there, but he did make it, and then he missed an extra point later on. Mm-hmm. And then this game, he was it was just awful. So, um, although hey, kudos to kicking the ball through the end zone. He's still doing a good job on kickoffs, but. You know, again, I, I talked about it the, after the after the Louisville game. Is you got to coach to your team, and nobody watching that game thought that Ryan Fitzgerald was going to make that kick against Louisville. Nobody, the, and I'm talking about the one in the fourth quarter that would right. put him up seven. So you can't play for that. And then I know they were. It was fourth and twelve before half, but that's why I was so not <laughs> in love with the play sequence before the field goal. Because, man, there is nothing guaranteed with this kid's right foot right now. So you can't run the ball on third down or second down. Take some shots to your 6'11 kid. Take some shots and try to go score touchdowns. Because even in that moment, 21-10 to isn't great, especially when Wake's getting the ball to start the second half. And there was a lot of pressure on that kick because the, the, the half had gone so bad. And Wake was on a 21-0 run. There was, a, there was more pressure than normal in a 21-7 game in the second quarter. And I just didn't trust the kid to come through there. And he didn't. And so now I just think you go into the rest of this season not knowing what you have at kicker, not being able to trust any of it. And the bummer of it all is, as I tweeted about on Sunday, Florida State has the highest-ranked special teams unit in the country. Them and Clemson are tied for first in the country according to Pro Football Focus in special teams, just overall special teams play. They've been outstanding. They had a nice kick return in that game. The The last one I think they had was a really good one. And then they had, um, Micah had that great punt return. And those punt coverage units and kick coverage units are off the chain, as, nice. a, as the kids say. The kids yeah. still say that, don't they, Aslan? Bring it back to 99, man. Let's yeah, it's go. off the chain, Let's gang. Um, so they've, but they've been really well, and they've done really well in special teams, except for, you know, the kicker can't make kicks. And that's kind of a big deal uh, about special teams, but um, which again, just, how 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 can you be number one and you don't have a kicker? Maybe we should yeah. put all of our eggs into the analytics basket well, sometimes. Kids. Correct, sure. There's other ways to judge special teams, I guess, than just how the kicker performs. But it it is a pretty big part of the process. And Clemson's so, got you know, a really good kicker too. So. They do, they do. So um, you know, just just moving forward. It's going to be really interesting and fascinating to see what he does here because 
he's never going to throw a kid under the bus. And you wouldn't want your coach to just rip in a rip on a flipping twenty year old kicker. Brian Kelly, so he's did. not going to. Brian Kelly but, ripped on his punt returners. Punt returners had a good season. Now, man, you threw him under right. the bus after that. But I, it's not like it's, it's kicker is such a different deal, man. Yeah. I, I I just there's there's no good that can come out of ripping them. Um, but and so he's never going to throw him under the bus publicly. But we all know Norvell's watching what we're watching, and now he after that missed twenty nine yard field goal, everything changed, and it should have changed before that. Quite honestly, it didn't. Now it has, and he threw the kid out for the fifty five yard field goal just because it's, it was basically like a here goes nothing. Yeah. Um. And and just, let's just see what happens here. Maybe he makes this kick, and it, it, it's huge for the rest of the season. But he missed it because he missed it, and um. Now you're left with no real kicking option right now. And maybe I, I don't even know. I, I don't even I don't even know if Fitzgerald plays. I mean, maybe there's less pressure on the road. I don't know. I, I think you still play your first possession like you I think you play every possession like you have a kicker and then once you need him and he fails you, then you go back to we don't have a kicker. I still you cannot go into a conference game on the road Saying we're just going to go for it on fourth down all the time. I so think you still, think you have to first be a little drive bit... of the game, fourth and eight at the twenty. Yeah. You're kicking it. Yeah, yeah. And now Let's... when he misses it, what do you do the next time? It's fourth and nine at the well, twenty-five. Yeah, and then you go. Then you're going for. It. I think. Yeah. I, I know people will be like, "Why do you even put him out there?" You know, you still if he's kicking okay in practice, they're a weird bunch of kickers. You have to just try. I mean, I know that's not the best logic, but you have to give them. You cannot play sixty full games of. We can't kick the ball. We can't. We can't kick a field goal at all. Uh, I think you try the first time around when you were in a situation. If it's a fourth and eight on the twenty-four yard line or something, uh, you, you try to see if you can get a forty-one yarder through. And if he does, you're like all right, man, things are turning. And if not, all right, well, it's a zero-zero game, or we're down seven-zero. Now we know this is the way we have to play the rest of the way. So yeah, yeah, and um, that. But do you do that every game, or if and when he misses the first kick against NC State? You can't keep doing it every game. You do until the bye away week. A... The bye week, you figure it out. But I think okay. the Clemson game's the same way. You have to play Clemson. Like, do you have a field goal kicker as well? And if you're still, if he misses, the, if he goes over one against NC State, over one against Clemson, I don't know how you go into a bye week and come out of it, and he's still your kicker. I don't think you could run him out if he doesn't make a kick against NC State. I don't know that you can run him out against Clemson because. Okay, that at point, home. Okay, right. right you know, right. at home with Boo a crowd birds. that already booed him yeah. uh, for the twenty-nine yard field goal, and you know, I I don't like that. Please don't boo college kids. But I also don't know if you're booing him or the decision, right? Because um, I I I was like, you can't you can't run him out here right here. I know it was fourth and twelve. You can't run him out here and just take the points because there's no points to be taken. You don't know if he's going to make this. Um, but so. I, I just I, I don't think it's fair to him to have him kick in front of this home crowd if he does not have a good game against NC State. I just it's just too much pressure and then the fans are gonna turn on him and it could get ugly. And you just I don't I don't want that for the kid. Now clearly the the don't be ugly to college kids. These aren't pro athletes. He's not trying to miss, but that's a reality of life in twenty twenty two. Don't don't subject your player to that if he hasn't earned it against NC State. Because heaven forbid he goes out and in a seven to seven game in the second quarter against Clemson, he shanks a thirty six yarder. The booze will rain down on that kid, and you just can't have that. So don't do that. Um, but that said, Corey, the father you, speaking here, like that's I his mean, own I'm just child saying you got it. Yeah, you have you know have a little. I mean, at he's some point, stop believing in him. He's on scholarship. He can handle. Yeah, it. I know, right? Yeah, he's getting his he's getting his books paid. I don't know that Ryan Fitzgerald has a big NIL deal. <laughs> 
If he did, boo away, gang. If you're a member of Rising Spear and you know a lot of your money's going to Fitzgerald, sure. But that's not the reality of the situation. So, yeah, that that I just don't want it to turn ugly. I just don't want it yeah. to turn ugly, and I just don't, you know, kicker is such a, it's such a fickle position, and it's such a mind screw mm. that, uh, you know, it, you, you don't want to break him. And he might already be where he can't be salvaged, but I don't think that's true. But having him kick at home against Clemson, if he misses a couple more kicks in Raleigh, he's going to be booed when he runs out onto the field. And you just you don't want that. It's just you don't want to you don't want that to happen to your fan base. And that's part of being a head coach is protecting your players from stuff like that. So, but we'll we'll cross that. He might kick the game winner against NC State. I'm man, telling he you, might be beloved. Honestly, I think you you send out the walk on kicker first attempt against NC State. If he makes it, we ride with that guy. Yeah. If the on if if the walk on misses it, then you do not kick a field goal until it's the fourth quarter and there's four seconds left, and you're down by two, and then you trot out Fitzgerald. If it's like you – obviously, you're not going to throw it in the end zone if you're 18 yards that way. You know? Maybe you yeah. go for it if it's fourth and three. If it's fourth and goal on the three-yard line, maybe you go for it. Uh, I, I would hope not. Um, but I think maybe that's, maybe that's the way you work it. And I'm being honest. Like you let, the, let the walk-on go. Let him kind of be your canary in the coal mine. If, and if he makes it, like, all right, maybe we guys, we got something. And then if not – then you're gonna have Fitzgerald come in there uh, on the last, and then you don't you, you coach the rest of the game like we're not kicking field goals until you absolutely positively right. have to, and everybody can kind of be like we can be practical in the situation, look at it, and say okay. Yeah, and that's kind of why uh, the the field goal situation is one of the reasons, one of the layers of why I thought that was horrible game management in the final five minutes on on Saturday. Once Wake Forest got that first and goal at the seven, you have to let him score a touchdown. Right. It's 28-21. They are inside your six-yard line, five-yard line, I think. So you're talking about, at most, a 22- or 23-yard field goal. That kid is not going to miss that. He's a good kicker. Um, now, you could get lucky, I guess, and think you're going to block it, but your best chance of winning is it. letting them score right then. And you have, I don't know, four, to, four minutes on the clock, four and a half minutes on the clock, and all three timeouts. And you know they're going to be in a prevent. So you are going to be able to get at least to their 20 and then if you throw it up to big boy and he catches a pass, you catch the ball, you score. Maybe there's two minutes left. There's two ten left. You have all three timeouts, and it's 35 to 28 or 27. I don't know what you're doing after that, the touchdown. Um, 29 maybe. Maybe you go for two right there. Um, but you probably actually should go for two right there to make it 35-29. You can still try to onside kick it. If you don't get it, you have three timeouts to get the ball back. As it was, the way Mike Norvell played out that last four minutes, the only way you could win the game is to recover an onside kick. It's the only way. And the odds of that aren't very high. If you let them score on the first play, on that first and goal from the six or the four, whatever it was, four. you let first them score, the four. Yeah. you get the ball back with four minutes left with three timeouts. You can go down the field, get the ball back, go down the field again, kind of like LSU did. Remember that game, gang? It happens. You can do that. That is possible. The chances of you down 10, because once you're down 10 or 14, it doesn't matter. It's still two scores. And plus, you're implying that you want this game to come down to a field goal attempt, which you clearly don't. So why do that anyway? Like, okay, you held him to a field goal. You're only down 10. Now a touchdown and field goal ties it. Oh, wait, we can't kick field goals. So that part, that part of it just didn't make any sense from a, a strategic standpoint. Um, and I, you know, it was nice that they held him out of the end zone. I also don't think Wake was really trying to score. I think they wanted to run some clock and make Mike Norvell use timeouts, which he did. 
and it didn't end up mattering because you missed the field goal anyway. But even if he makes the field goal, Aslan, how much time's left? 50 seconds? With no timeouts. And you have to go recover an onside kick. Uh, minute 13. Minute 13. Theoretically, you let them score right when they get first and goal. You get the ball back with 350 with a good passing well, offense. Probably like three, uh, three and a half. They're, they're, yeah, with they, three timeouts, though. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you can go down the field, and it really doesn't matter when you score if you keep all your timeouts. Yeah. You score with a minute 08 left. Even if they recover the onside kick, they're going to run it three times. You stop them. I mean, look, it's still going to be a miracle, but you get the ball back with 50 seconds left, 45 seconds left. Down by a touchdown. You have a chance. But the way he played that out was we have to recover an onside kick to win this game. And that just doesn't make sense to me. I guess his his counter would be, or they could miss the kick. Hmm. You know, they could miss the kick. We could block it. Yeah. We've done that before. But that did not happen, and you lost the game. Yeah. All right. On the way out, uh, we have covered everything about it. Check out Irish Ophel's three, two, one. Uh, you know where he makes his uh, three observations, uh, two questions we're asking ourselves, and then a prediction moving forward. Uh, and one of the observations he made about it, and he, he talked about on the top of the war chant rap with you, Corey, was that he just felt like maybe you know prime time was a little bit too much for this team. You know the four and zero start. This is the first time that this team has been ranked. These expectations are real. They're ranked. The team they're playing is ranked. He says, uh, you know, this might be the sign of a, a team like in the, you know, the adolescent f- stages of growing and becoming a winner, maybe being a little immature at this juncture. I, I don't know much. I've, I like Ira's take on this. I like looking at a, at a more esoteric sort of uh, uh, viewpoint, but I I don't know, man. Was this was this team not ready for prime time, or is this? I mean, they played a team that's pretty good, and they couldn't block and they couldn't get off the field. Again, me oversimplifying things. Is there, is there anything to maybe the moment being too big for a team that's still in the midst of the climb, if you will? I think it's more about, um, and yeah, I think there's some validity to that. I, I think it's more about when things started going poorly is when they kind of, and Norvell even said it, they just started pressing. They didn't seem like the same team on the sidelines they had been for the first four weeks. Um, Because when you're 4-0 and you're ranked and you're thinking this might be a magical special season and all of a sudden you're down 14-21-7, your hotshot quarterback fumbles the ball, um, they're going down the field and scoring, I think you start to press and feel the pressure of things and expectations, and maybe they weren't ready for that. But I don't know, man. It's it's. Again, there's not much difference between number 12 in the country and number 50 in the country. And I just think they didn't they didn't play well. They played a team that's probably better than them, probably not more talented necessarily, but a better team. That's a good team. That's that's the 15th ranked team in the country. Um now after the after that win and their only loss was to Clemson in overtime, double overtime. That's a good team. If they would have lost to Boston College, I think it would have been really a sign of immaturity. I just think they lost to a well-coached, good team. I don't think Florida State played well, but I don't know if it's because they were overwhelmed by the moment or the stage as much as it was when you're not great, there are ups and downs. It's just the nature of college football in 2022. This happened to be a valley and not a peak, and they, they had some moments where they got they rose up and got close to, to getting back into the game or maybe even tying the game or winning the game, but it didn't happen. But next week it might. And I don't think next week it would mean that they rose to the moment or they are not that they that they they felt like they belonged on the stage as much as they played well. And you're you know, when you're not great, you're gonna have moments where you not you don't play great. 
and another team takes advantage and wins. I, I just, I don't, I think they're a top 25-ish team. And what do top 25-ish teams do, Aslan? Lose they three lose. or four games in a yep. season. Yep, exactly. And I think that's what we have with this team. Um, I, but I also think they're going to rise up and maybe win a game. They, maybe you're right now, after that loss to Wake Forest, you're not expecting them to win. And that could be, look, man, it's not an easy schedule. Well, the, the stretch, though, this three-game stretch, if you had to win any of them, you probably would have put Wake Forest at, at the bottom of your list. Winning well, in Raleigh against NC State or beating Clemson You is, mean as far as importance? Yeah. Yeah, but also, it, I, I think winning at home against Wake was probably the one you would view as the easiest of the three. That's fine, though. And you lost that one. So, up the so what does that mean for the next two? I honestly don't think it means much. Yeah. I just think, like, look, they're going to have to play really well to beat Clemson, right? Yes. They just have to. Clemson, uh, apparently that kid can play quarterback now. Great. Awesome. Um, their defense is good. NC State has a very good defense, and you know that quarterback can make some plays. Um, so that's you, – you, ju you just have to play well to win those games. I, I, I don't think they played well against Wake. And that's why they lost. Um, now, it could be for those kind of reasons. And look, it's not normal for Norbell to come into a press conference and say they were pressing. Well, why is that? They don't press. That's not a team that usually gets down and gets flustered when they get behind. But they did. So maybe that was part of, you know, the top 25 matchup, the show, you know, the, the, the nerves, the stage. Um, but I just don't think it means they can't win either one of these next two games. Would I be surprised if they won both of them? Absolutely. I'm not expecting that. But would I be stunned if they won one of the two? No. Both of these teams are imminently beatable. Aslan just told you guys, Florida State's a three-and-a-half-point underdog. That ain't much. That's basically a pick em. That means if this game was played at a neutral site, Florida State might be favored or it would be a pick em game. These teams are evenly matched. Clemson is more talented than Florida State, but Clemson has to come to Doak. That game is winnable as well. So that's just – it's. It's just a bummer you lost to flipping Dave Clawson. That's the biggest. That's the biggest takeaway. You lost to that dude that after nice. you fed his team. You fed his team, Aslan. They got food, and then they still beat you. All right, it's a uh, bath time for Corey. He likes to get a nice soak in before heading to the press conference on Monday to talk to the coaches. We'll be out there. Why are you there. saying that? Do you hear the? Do you hear the faucet running? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's not the faucet. It's the. It's the uh, Stephanie's cooking. Uh, she's boiling some stuff. I know, but that doesn't make this sense. This microphone is way too strong. Yeah, it doesn't make sense when people are listening to it at 6 in the morning. I was trying to give you a little <laughs> oh, bit of cover sorry. there. Yes, that's, you know my morning bath routine. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, shout out to Corey saying that I just told you that Florida State was a three-point underdog against NC State, which is something I said probably about 40 minutes ago, which now I feel really bad for Brady because he probably gets yelled at for, like, I just told you. And it's like, Dad, you told me that two days ago. Right. Long uh, show. Long so show. Sorry, guys. it goes. Uh, stay connected to WarChant.com. We'll have full coverage on the press conference over on the website around noonish or so. So tune in. For Corey, I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up WarChant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida.